podcasting from Nashville, Tennessee. This is Keep Asking, the podcast that helps you dig deeper and wider into the research providing insights into today's church and culture. I'm here today with my colleagues, Scott McConnell and Casey Oliver, and today we're going to be talking about a little bit of research data we have on um, pastors' views on the Me Too movement. Welcome back, guys. Glad to be back. Happy to be here. (laughs) Excellent. Look at that. Scott's changing everything up. (laughs) Spicy Scott will be his new nickname. So, all right. Well, um, this is our second podcast in a row that we're doing on um, some research on domestic violence. Um, You can listen to the one that we released last week. Um, where we touch on pastors' views on domestic violence. And it's a repeat. We repeated some questions that we'd asked in 2014, so we talk a little bit about the changes. Um, Scott, tell us a little bit about why we've um, chosen to add these new questions to the research, and even maybe that's a good chance to tell us about the sponsors for the project. Yes, our our sponsors for for this study were IMA World Health and Sojourners. And as as they wanted to to revisit data we had from 2014 and to really understand uh, where Protestant churches were at in being aware of domestic violence, being uh, speaking up about it, being involved. uh, They also obviously noticed, uh, along with most of us, that there's been a, a public discussion going on and trying to understand how much that public discussion has uh, has infiltrated the church, uh, influenced uh, activity, and so uh, so that led to a, a number of additional questions. What's interesting for me just in, um, uh, it was actually a man who told me about the Me Too movement. Hmm. Now, so that was one thing I even appreciated. It was one of our colleagues here. I won't, you know, name names, but it was the awareness as it came about um, I, I found that to be interesting, and I appreciated it that um, they they were showing some sensitivity. It, you know, anyway, I don't know if that's helpful, but I, I in the increasing awareness as these things develop, I, I think that's fascinating as we ask pastors about that kind of thing. So, um, what did we find out? What's some just big stuff that we picked up on, Casey? Well, 85% of pastors say they have heard about the Me Too movement, um, so, you know, an overwhelming majority. And uh, and then we also asked about Church Two as well, and that, that number was a lot smaller, was 16% say that they've heard about the Church Two movement. That was kind of probably the big top line. Um, what did they tell us about... Among those who said they they were aware of the Me Too movement, what did they say it did towards their preaching and speaking about domestic violence in the church? We see that about four out of ten pastors uh, are, are more inclined to preach about the topic, about domestic violence, about sexual violence, uh, because they're hearing this public discussion. And, and not just discussion, they're hearing individual stories of uh, women and, and, and men that have experienced uh, sexual violence and uh, and who are not treated with dignity in in, in, in sexual ways and and so uh, 
it's almost a four to one, uh, you know, four out of 10, 41% indicating they're more likely to preach on it. 12% said less likely. And, and about half are, are indicating uh, about the same. Uh, it really didn't impact their, their willingness to talk about it. And here, this, um, I'm genuinely curious, and so this will s- sound like a plug for qualitative research, but here I'm fascinated by the 12% who said that in light of the Me Too movement, they are less inclined to preach about domestic and sexual violence. And so I would... I would love to hear what they have to say and what's going on um, because, you know, you can speculate, but. Um, well, and, and one of the interesting things, and maybe, maybe there's some overlap in these groups, uh, but, you know, we also asked about uh, their level of understanding about sexual and domestic violence. And so uh, 40% say they understand more about sexual and domestic violence because of the Me Too movement. 21% said it hasn't affected their level of understanding. And then 39% said, no, I now have more questions than before. And so I wonder if maybe some of those people are the same people saying they're less likely because maybe they don't feel like, oh, well, you know, I thought I had a handle on this issue and, and now I'm realizing that there's, there's a lot maybe that I haven't considered or wasn't aware of or the, the prevalence of it. And, and I, I don't think that's necessarily that 39% responding, I have more questions than before. I don't necessarily think that that's a discouraging number by itself. I mean, it depends on what you do with that. But, um, you know, to, to say, hey, I, I thought I thought I understood a lot about this issue and, and maybe I, I don't understand as much as I thought I did about it. I don't, yeah. And I do. I um, for a split second, I had just a bit more compassion with your explanation, because I do think you taking those two data points that does help plug in that ambiguity. But then if you move on to um, where we asked them for your congregation, which, if any of the following, have been a result of the Me Too movement, 14% say for their congregation, the congregation has become more callous toward the issue. And, and, and sometimes it, this kind of brings out something that we see in, in survey research, that when something, anything, is popular or it is the thing everybody's talking about, there, there's a group of people that just naturally say, I don't want to be a part of whatever everybody else is doing right. or whatever everybody right. else is talking about. So some of that can be a callousness of it's gotten too much attention. Right. Okay. Um, and, you know, in today's age, uh, you know, in social media, you know, there's power in talking about something and when lots of people are talking about it. And some people may be uncomfortable how that power is being used. And, okay. and so as they, as they push back on that, they get, they get a little cynical, a little callous. Uh, but overall, that's a pretty low number, 14%. Um, and so, you know, the bigger, the bigger responses, more than half are, 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 are simply just admitting they're more aware. They're, the pastors are describing their congregation as more aware how common this is. And, and six out of 10 are, are indicating their congregation has more empathy toward, toward those who are victims of, of domestic and sexual violence. And so, um, you know, while it's going to affect a few people kind of the wrong way um, and, and even even some whole congregations the wrong way, uh, there's been a lot of good that's come out of of uh, these discussions. And uh, and I think pastors are seeing it. Right. Well, and I also I'm a big advocate on survey questions. That you want to be able to give folks a full range of responses. And so they have permission, even though I might be holding the right answer in my mind or heart, you know, I do try to 
pay attention and make sure that there's the full range so you're not just giving people this easy platter of here's the right answers and right. here's how to sound good. Why am so. I great? Isn't, isn't a great survey. Right, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. and, our, and, and to say, our, our clients didn't push back on that at all, but we felt an obligation to have, have at least one negative, you know, some right. kind of negative response in, in a list like that. And it's just uh, interesting to me that I have such a, a reaction to that. And um, so you wouldn't have let us put that in there? No, I would have. I, I would have. But I would have been um, I would have been mad. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I would have been waiting for it to, to come on through. So. Um, so now we go to. The meet the church to movement. 16% say they've heard of that. So that's got a lot less awareness going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, any of these slogans that began as, as a hashtag on Twitter um, and, and other social media places, we have to understand that, that some pastors are not using those, those social media avenues. And so the place where they probably heard about it was either an everyday conversation or or on on TV, on 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 the news, and so uh, clearly the Me Too movement's gotten a lot more media attention than than the Church Too movement. Although you know e- even recently you know additional reports coming out um, as uh, you know the Catholic Church in Pennsylvania has has after years of study has detailed uh, you know more cases that you could put that two word after of you know more people have endured. Uh, sexual violence than uh, than we ever would have imagined. And just for clarification, this survey was fielded before any of that came out. Mm-hmm. So just to make sure folks know that. So the, the other interesting part on that question, you know, as, as Scott said, with the fact that it's, you know, there's if it starts in, in, on, in the Twitter world, uh, it makes sense then that, uh, you know, we found almost almost tw- you're almost twice as likely than 18 to 44 year olds. 31 percent of them have heard of the church to movement. Um, so, so in that younger pastor group, there's more awareness. And, and in response to to either, you know, for pastors who've heard of either Me Too or or Church Too, um, you know, some of them are planning to to do something because they they've heard of those things. Uh, uh, you know, one out of ten is is going to provide more education for their congregation, um, and or they already have, and, and and almost four out of ten plan to. So al- almost half, you know, are actually going to be imparting more more information to their congregation than they would have if those movements had not happened. And so that you know, here's an example of something going on in our culture, actually nudging the church to do a little something about, um, uh, you know, about something that we would label a sin. So 76% say they know someone who has experienced sexual harassment. So, and I, that does indicate, you know, a high level of awareness, I mean, or awareness on their part, but it does amaze me that in, in that role, 23% would say no, they don't know anyone. Yeah, we kind of shift gears there a little bit from, uh, you know, from actual physical violence um, and, and and sexual violence to uh, you know to harassment, which you know is, is more of a workplace thing. It's 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 uh, you know overtures from a boss. It's uh, a culture that that is is harassing 
Um, it's verbal comments, those types of things that we normally classify as sexual harassment. And, uh, you know, th- that's been all too common in, in workplaces across um, America. And, you know, it, it just brings to mind um, the passage uh, in Scripture where Jesus says, there's nothing covered that won't be uncovered, nothing hidden that won't be made known. Therefore, whatever you've said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you've whispered um, in an ear in private rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. And and I think the you know the Me Too movement is is a lot of proclaiming from the housetops, um, you know, some things that people thought were going to stay private forever, mm-hmm. and uh, you know those those deeds have become known. The number drops as far as uh, someone, 16% say someone on their church staff has experienced sexual harassment in a church setting. So there we're getting very specific. So that's the church too. Yeah. I mean, but that's still, you know, if, you, if you're saying one, you know, one in six-ish, right, somewhere in there saying someone on my church staff has experienced sexual harassment in a church setting. And if, if you know, again, we're, we're aware of the fact that, uh, you know, women are, are more likely to have experienced sexual harassment and uh, the church staff, uh, staffs are probably, uh, you know, lean, lean more. Uh, I don't know the ratio or anything of men, mm-hmm. men to women, but, you know, some, some church staffs are definitely more predominantly male. So I wonder, you know, I guess I kind of wonder about that too, is uh, how, how that, the, those, uh, correlation structures work out there. I didn't, looking at, looking at the significance there, older pastors, those 65 and older, um, are more likely to select no than those in that 18 to 44 range. Um, is, But we know there could be a whole variety of reasons there. Like they, they might have fewer people on staff, you know, they may be less sensitive to that, that's or what, it that's could what be. I was gonna say too. I wonder about you know, because because there's something, you know, about like how how you're 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 you know the person being asked the question is the one who's classifying it then, right? Like, yeah, that person experienced what I would call sexual harassment, and so you you sort of wonder if that sensitivity level is higher among younger pastors potentially. To, that that might be at least a piece of it sometimes. You know, the odd part of that, though, is an older pastor has had more years to have heard something. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so for them not to, um, yes, they, they could have been in church settings where it wasn't happening or or maybe the antenna's not quite up yet as, as to what's classified as harassment today. You know, some, right. of, those, some of those jokes right. uh, that, you know, what you grew up hearing, right. um, you know, did cross a line. Right. And we knew it. Right. And, um, yeah, I think that could be the case. And also, this is a complex thing that we can't see in the data. Um, you know, as someone who would con- potentially be on a church staff, that would be a difficult thing, I think, to just throw out there. Hey, by the way, in the hiring process, let me just let you know, unless that's, you know, a significant part of your testimony or, mm-hmm. you know, um, as a female, I would think, just, I, I wouldn't want to feel restricted, but you probably don't want to, I could see female church staff members thinking, I don't want to broadcast this so that people think, um, oh, I'm going to be raising red flags. So I, 
I could see a lot of staff members maybe just not mentioning that as as something. Um, and, and you know, I think everybody involved wants you know you know wa- wants Jesus Christ to be held up and, and His honor to be maintained, and for the church's honor to be maintained. And and so oftentimes there's been a reluctance probably that when things happen within a church to speak up. And uh, so, so to me, one of the most important questions we asked pastors was, do you have a process or a policy in case someone on the church staff is, a, is accused of sexual harassment, what happens next? And uh, if you don't have a process for that, then the person wouldn't even know where to report it. Um, if that's not in the handbook, if that's not really clear, you know, you felt something inappropriate happened, who do you tell? And, and that's just an important thing to have in place. And I, again, probably injecting a lot of my own opinion here. If there if there is no clear and transparent process, then I, what concerns me is maybe some of that overlap between those who see um, issues of sexual violence, those things that need to be handled within the family. Does that the percentage of pastors who see that, does that transfer over and would they want to see, well, let's handle all these sorts of things in the family under, right. you know, behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And just because they see that as the appropriate way right. to and, see that. And, and there's it, a real danger right. there. And that's not necessarily, you know, if someone, if you've just been sexually harassed, you don't necessarily want the pastor to put you and that person in the room together and right. say, like, let's talk about this together. You know, that, right. that might not be the right way to go about yeah. And so that, I mean, that's, as a listener, that's a good question to ask. Does our church have a policy in place or a clear place for somebody to report something uh, that, that they feel is, is out of line? And, uh, and oftentimes, that, if that can be an outside place where they right. do that reporting, that, that, that's going to be healthier and, and honestly brings more transparency and, and more opportunity that if, if it is brought to light, that it's done in a way that that still brings honor to the church, that it was dealt with and dealt with well. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I was thinking. If, um, you know, leaders can allow themselves to be vulnerable and be examined, you know, and get input from experts. Um, I, I would steal your lines more often, but I can't read your writing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that hurt a little. So, and then um, the last one before we wrap up, 12% of Protestant pastors told us that um, there has been a church staff member at their church found to sexually harass someone in the congregation. So, and then I want to be clear on the, I want to read the question. Um, Has a staff member at your church ever been found to have sexually harassed someone in the congregation, either while you have been at the church or prior to you coming to the church? So... You know, a lot of the difficulties we see, uh, you know, w- whether we're looking at, at some of the cases in, in the Catholic Church that have recently been been articulated, um, or in individual Protestant churches uh, that that likely would, won't be compiled in a single report just because they're they're more independent uh, in terms of their polity. Uh, you know, there's a certain pressure on on a church member when any kind of overture is made from a church staff member. Uh, Sunday school teacher, uh, a youth group leader, because they're an authority over you. They, they, they're somebody you look up to. And, and that's one of the elements of, of what sexual harassment is, is it's unfair. 
and and it's unfair that they've even made that overture towards you, um, and, and obviously much worse if they've gone beyond that, and and so, uh, and and so you know this is these are churches that know that it's happened, um, and you know more than one out of ten, and and so that's something we've got to be very conscious of, uh, you know if you're a church leader of any kind. That, that you have an extra responsibility to stay away from that line um, and stay far away from it. Well, thanks, guys. Um, it's always fascinating when we can do this. We want to say a thanks again to our sponsors um, and just for having an interest and a desire to help. Um, pastors, we encourage you to, and any listener, um, you know, if you'd like more information on this, um, also, if you have any questions, any feedback on um, maybe a question we should have asked, things you'd like us thinking about on research like this, let us know. Um, tweet to us at SMCon, at StatsGuyCasey, and at Lizette Beard, or at LifeWay Research. Join us next time for another edition of Keep Asking. Keep asking, learn more, do better.